Welcome to the COVID Lexington podcast, timely conversations highlighting local community leaders and experts to keep you informed during the COVID-19 era. We plan to present insights to help you thrive and opportunities to help your neighbors and communities, all brought to you from a safe social distance from our homes across Lexington, Kentucky. Hello, Lexington. Uh, back with Cameron and Trevor uh, for episode two. So, Trevor, uh, who do we have on with us today? We're really lucky today, Cameron. We've got Dan Wu. He's the owner of Atomic Ramen, um, and we're really excited to have him on our podcast today. And we're just going to go ahead and throw him right in the fire, um, have him introduce himself, and tell us a little about what's going on in his world. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Um, so I opened Atomic Ramen uh, out of the summit about two and a half years ago. And then for the last year, year and a half, we've also been working with UK. Uh, and we've been in their uh, dining hall at the 90, uh, as well as at uh, home football games the last two seasons uh, at Kroger Field. And of course, uh, as everybody knows, uh, COVID-19 has kind of uh, brought everything to a crashing halt. So I closed my summit location about three weeks ago and uh, UK is also not in session. So that also went away. So here we are. Yeah. So you, you usually spend a lot of your time, Dan, um, I, I would expect managing those restaurants, manager employees, cooking, you know, planning. I'm not sure all yeah. the myriad things you're doing as a business owner. Uh, but you know, your schedule has changed. You know, what, what are you, filling your days with these days? Uh, I think like a lot of us small business owners, uh, we can't really sit on our hands. We're not very good at not doing anything. Uh, so uh, we started a couple of projects. Um, when we first, when I first closed, uh, we started a project called Lex Unite, which was a uh, website where you could find uh, dozens and dozens, might be up to uh, over a hundred now. Uh, small businesses and restaurants where you could buy their gift cards as a means to keep supporting uh, local small businesses while we're in this uh, really difficult time. And then we kind of very quickly pivoted to the fact that um, a lot of restaurant workers are now out of work or underemployed. Uh, and we established uh, uh, basically a branch of the Lee Initiative uh, restaurant workers relief program to help feed people in the restaurant hospitality industry who are affected by this epidemic uh, pandemic. Um, so that's been going now for just over two weeks. Uh, we've been feeding people every night from five to seven out of uh, great bagel on Boston road. And I think as of two nights ago, we have served somewhere around 3,700 meals. Wow. So, and yeah, it's been kind of phenomenal, but, it's been great to see everybody in the community and the industry come out basically to use all of our resources and our money and our connections and our kitchens um, to kind of make some lemonade out of these lemons, you know what I mean? Just like to do something with ourselves, even though a lot of us like myself, we're not make, we, no, we're not in business, we're not making money anymore, but at least kind of do something um, to A, stay busy and B, obviously help the community. Yes, I'm not. Uh, that's the reason that we asked you on was because, you know, I wanted to get the local restaurant owner's perspective. But then I've been so impressed by how quickly you've pivoted and made something 
positive about it. So, but I wasn't familiar with the Lee initiative. Is that a, a, a broader program that's existed or, or tell me about that? Yeah. So the Lee initiative is started by Edward Lee. Uh, he's a, um, pretty well-known chef out of Louisville. He owns a couple of restaurants there and a restaurant in DC. He was on, uh, I think season five an early season of top chef back in the day, uh, kind of a local hero doing like Asian Southern cuisine. Um, somebody I really admire. I got two of his cookbooks. Uh, he started a couple of years ago, something called the Lee initiative. And initially what it did was, um, it helped uh, train and mentor uh, women chefs, uh, up-and-coming women chefs, and he's had, I think, three classes go through that program. When all of this COVID stuff hit, he very quickly pivoted and created the uh, Restaurant Workers Relief Program under the Lee Initiative banner. They started in Louisville, expanded to D.C., and I think as of today, we're in somewhere around 16 or 18 cities now. Wow. And it's kind of, you can look at it almost like a franchise model, the way that you see, you know, McDonald's everywhere. Um, you're seeing Lee initiatives pop up everywhere. And basically we got seed money from Maker's Mark. They generously donated a ton of money to us. And basically any city that has the, the facilities and the ability to scale into a, a feeding center, a relief center, we, you know, we got in contact with them. We got money to start up and We've been rolling ever since, and as we roll, basically after the seed money, we're somewhat on our own to um, keep raising money and keep the program going. Although um, Lee is continuing to support us as well, uh, so it's been really, really kind of amazing to see not just the amount of support that the community and the industry has given us. Um, we've gotten food donations from various distributors like Cisco and Creation Gardens. We've gotten like to-go containers from various restaurants. We've gotten food from various restaurants. Uh, right now, we're currently paired with Aramark and UK Dining, and they're making a lot of the food for us. So they're bringing it to us. We're packaging it, and we're spending a lot of our funds now on um, a little bit of payroll for our uh, paid workers. So we were able to bring a couple people back to work. And we've been mainly buying a whole lot of household supplies like diapers and paper towels and canned food and tampons and, you know, wipes, things like that, things that are hard to come by and things that families in need are always needing. Um, so it's been pretty incredible. Um, we're, we're really happy to be part of the program and we're just hustling every day. And it's kind of, it's the kind of thing, honestly, that only small business owners could pull off because we know how to do with very little. We know how to hustle. We know how to make it happen. Uh, we know how to adapt. Uh, and yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot. Uh, I'll tell you that. I think everybody's feeling that right now. It's been just a lot and it feels like it does change every single day. Like something different is happening. Right. Tell me a little bit about, about that hustle, because I think that's interesting to go from everyday, ordinary life, and then something like this happens. So what, what is a typical day, and, and is, it, is it primarily involved with this Lee initiative, or is every day different, and you kind of just have to figure it out as you go? Yeah, honestly, I think every day is, is different. Uh, you know, I had for a while, and still now, uh, you wake up, and you're like, what am I supposed to be doing with myself? right now you, you wake up you don't have a schedule you don't have um, a routine anymore and you kind of have to make it up as you go along and that's really really tough um, you know a lot of people in the beginning said like oh we're gonna get some time off and we can work on these projects or develop new skills like that's great if not for the existential 
<laughs> angst and stress and uncertainty that everybody is feeling. It's underlying everybody's situation. So it makes it really hard. I mean, everybody's trying their best. It's make it makes it really hard to work, to play, to socialize, to do whatever you're going to do when there's that uncertainty underlying you and you don't know what tomorrow is much less six months from now. So for me, I mean, I get up, I'm, um, you know, uh, my daughter's home. So she's doing, uh, she's starting to do NTI now with school, but you know, we get to spend a lot more time together and get to spend a lot more time with uh, my wife and my stepson. Um, you know, and all that stuff is great, but I'm still <clears throat> just as a small business owner. Um, I don't like to keep still and I always want to be, you know, hustling and doing something. So this Lee initiative thing has been great. Um, so parts of my day, and like I said, it's not the same every day, but parts of my day will be going to Costco and going to Kroger and buying hundreds of dollars worth of diapers and paper towels and taking them to Great Bagel. Uh, parts of my day will be, um, being on the phone, being on email, being on text, trying to talk to people about getting some more funding, donations, grants, um, talking to other restaurants about donations of, you know, to-go containers and bags and whatever else. So it's this weird kind of hustle that's kind of changing day to day. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's productive, right? It's, it's still, I'm contributing to something and I'm keeping my own mind busy uh, as opposed to, you know, if this stuff wasn't around, I would be sitting on my couch, uh, eating entire bags of potato chips and playing, you know, plants versus zombies on my phone, which is, <laughs> you know, which you need a little bit of that, you know, you gotta be, you got to forgive yourself and give yourself a little bit of allowance to do that kind of stuff, but certainly not all day long. So it's, it's been good. It's, it's, I think it's really hard for a lot of people right now to find purpose um, because work, you know, for most people is the reason you get up in the morning and a lot of people are out of work or they're working from home. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. You've always been a, uh, a leader in the restaurant community and, you know, well known for your, you know, creativity and, um, you know, your entrepreneurial spirit as well. But now I've been watching, you know, your posts on Facebook and you're coming out with this Facebook show and you've really kind of become, whether you expected to or not, um, kind of a, a thought leader and kind of a community action leader. So, you know, how does it feel to be, you know, placed into that spotlight really by your peers and the respect they have for for your opinion and you know how are you dealing with that shift kind of mentally emotionally um you know the the interesting thing is i'm you know i'm somewhat of a cynic but i'm definitely an optimist and you know small business owners we thrive when we figure out what is needed in the marketplace and fill that need so for me there was no ramen restaurant in lexington open a ramen restaurant. And in the same way that this pandemic has um, upended a lot of structures and a lot of systems, uh, it kind of creates a level of chaos. Now, I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones, uh, Littlefinger had a great, great quote. He said, uh, chaos is a ladder. Uh, he meant it, of course, in that he could climb his way to the top. Uh, I see chaos as kind of opportunity in that when there are sort of gaps in information or leadership or uh, activism, that's where we go to fill it. So we saw the need immediately for people needing to be fed. So we created this whole program with Lex Unite and Lee Initiative to feed people. Um, 
So for me, you were talking about my show. So I started a, um, originally, so to back way up, uh, after I got off of MasterChef like six years ago, I started a, pod, a radio show and which became a podcast called The Culinary Evangelist, where I, it was a weekly uh, live um, you know, talk show, started on WRFL, went to Lexington Community Radio, and then was an independent podcast. Uh, and I was basically just interviewing like just cool, interesting people in the food field uh, from cooks, chefs, bartenders, farmers, educators. Uh, so I did that for a while. I opened up Atomic Ramen, which gave me no time to do anything else. And then uh, when, you know, I had been thinking actually last fall in the spring about starting another radio show. And then all of this stuff hit and kind of threw that out the window. Uh, and then I realized right now it's impossible to have any conversation with any person for more than like two minutes without talking about what the hell is going on right now, right? You, you can't avoid it. Like literally, if I say, how are you doing? That's how it starts. And everybody's just like, <sighs> you know what I mean? Like taking a day at a time or I lost my job or I'm teaching from home or whatever. So I decided like I still wanted to do a show of some sort. I have to adapt to a new way of doing it instead of inviting you into a radio studio. Uh, we would do, you know, like we're doing right now, you do a Zoom meeting. Um, and put it live on Facebook. So I started a show called Let's Get Through This. And it's basically, again, me talking to just interesting people in the community who are either creative, charitable, industrious, just cool, interesting people and asking them like, what are you doing now? How are you pivoting? My first episode was with uh, Rabbi Shlomo Litvin uh, from Chabad of Bluegrass. And I was asking like, how do you, you know, how do you run religious services? How do you run a student organization in this kind of time? And then also kind of like talk to people as people, like, how are you dealing with this? How are your kids? Like, what's your routine like? What's your self-care like? So I started the show and it's been, um, gives me something to look forward to twice a week. Honestly, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a routine, right? It's like, it's something on your schedule that you have to show up for that you want to like brush your hair and like take a shower. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you kind of need that kind of stuff. Otherwise it's very easy to just kind of sit in your own muck and, and not do anything. Yeah, go grab the chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, we've talked about some, you know, very real topics. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm also a big fan of yours, and I went and watched you out at Railbird cooking last year. So while we've got you here, I want to, uh, uh, you know, get a hold of that genius. So I got a couple food questions for you. So for the working at home or, you know, healthy at home person in Lexington, who's not, uh, you know, locally famous, worldwide famous chef. Uh, what is something that they can be trying to cook right now? Oh man. Uh, right now I'm, I don't know if I'm the right or wrong person to, to ask this right now. I haven't felt like cooking, cooking in, in a while. Like when I'm running the restaurant, all of my creative culinary energy goes into like menu development. So when I get home, it's like, what's quick and easy. And then part of me thought like, Oh, now that I have time at home with my family, like I'll cook more and Nope. It's just, you know, like it's me walking into the kitchen and looking at a sink full of dishes thinking like, I don't want to deal with it. So I walk away. I will tell you what has been a saving grace in our household is Trader Joe's frozen food. Like I'm <laughs> perfectly honest with you. Uh, 
I remember one time a couple months ago, I went to Trader Joe's with my wife and we bought um, a couple of bags of the Trader Joe's fried rice. And one of the, the cashiers who knew me, he was like, oh, are you serious? So like, like a chef like you, like buying frozen fried rice? And I said, look, do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to prep fried rice? Like how much all that little dicing and then you have to make rice and then you have to like let it sit overnight so it dries out to make like real fried rice and all this stuff. It's like it's too much work. The $3 a bag, that gets us, you know, three, four meals out of it. Why not? So my my advice for people is do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Um, make what you got to make. I think you can be creative. I think some people have the headspace to go online and look at cooking videos and kind of improve their cooking skills. And I think that's great. I've seen a lot of people really, really work on their backyard gardens, which is great, um, growing produce and stuff. Uh, not only as a way to supply food to their family, but also just something to do, you know what I mean? And and I think it's in this time, it's really great to be able to tangibly produce something, like create something. You see a lot of people now uh, at their sewing machines uh, creating masks. Um, you see a lot of people just being creative. So my thing is like, do what you got to do. And the other part of it, uh, there are still a good number of restaurants still open really bending themselves over backwards to do curbside service and delivery. Um, I will tell you this, nobody is doing the kind of business that they used to do. Nobody. Every one of my restaurant friends I've talked to is doing somewhere between 20 and 40% of what they normally do. Yeah. Like it's, it's real bad. So if you can, you know, like I normally don't eat out very much, but I have been a lot more in the last few weeks and I feel really good about it. You know what I mean? Like I feel good about getting takeout from my favorite people uh, and giving them any kind of support I can. And, you know, it's, it's great food that you can still have and kind of connect with a, a still a level of like normalcy. You know what I mean? Like if you loved a restaurant, like you can still get their food. You may not be able to sit down and, you know, chill and, you know, in their restaurant for an hour and a half, but at least you can get their food and it, it still supports their business. Yeah, and I have been seeing some uh, cocktail carryout advertised in Lexington too. So that's another thing we can <laughs> be yeah. looking forward to maybe. Yeah. So I also uh, noticed on your Facebook page that uh, if you have been having some free time, you've, you've recommended some TV shows. So I've watched the Tiger King. Trevor's watched the Tiger King. Yeah. Who's your favorite uh, Tiger King character? Oh, man. Um, I'll say this much. I don't know if I have a favorite character. I'll say this much. There is so much hate for Carol Baskin. <laughs> I don't get it. There's a certain level of, I think, misogyny happening there. Compared to the scumbags on that show, like Jeff Lowe and Doc Antle, uh, and that one drug dealer guy from uh, from Florida, compared to those guys, she's nothing she doesn't deserve that level of hatred so my thing is like turn your animosity towards those scumbag cult leaders dog Antle and and jeff Lowe. and i'm hoping uh this show has kind of opened up or let continue some of these investigations into some of their nasty disgusting practices so yeah no no kidding i, I couldn't even make it to the end it was it was too cringeworthy for me but yeah. definitely, it's definitely a few laughs and a lot more tigers than I expected to see on yeah. Yeah, right. a long yeah. Saturday. Yeah, exactly. 
It's kind um, of brought, brought everyone together in a weird way. Yeah. And then in a weird way, I think uh, Joe Exotic either has coronavirus or he's been isolated because he's had exposure to it. So literally the two, you know, cultural things in our life has inter- collided, uh, which is crazy. Those characters are, though, exactly that. They're characters um, kind of just straight out of a, a fiction book. And a lot of that, those, a lot of characters and superheroes and whatnot were incorporated in, in your restaurant. Can you talk a little bit about that inspiration? Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I opened up the restaurant, I knew it was going to be uh, not just about the food. I knew it was going to be a, a big part of my personality going into that business as well. Uh, I've always loved comic books, superheroes, uh, monsters, uh, movies, you know, TV shows, science fiction, all that stuff. So immediately when I started thinking about the concept of it, uh, my mind went immediately to like Godzilla and superheroes. So the whole idea of atomic, like atomic age, you know, um, superheroes, monsters, things like that, it just it was natural to me. So it also gave me a great excuse every year at Comic-Con to buy a whole ton of artwork uh, and toys. Uh, if you've been to my shop, you'll see that there are, uh, I've got somewhere around 75 Funko Pop figures, like glued down around the counter. And I've got dozens of pieces of like superhero related art up on the walls. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a very much a natural, uh, natural fit for me. I think we need to have a, uh, a Dan Funko Pop auction uh, for the, some type of good idea pandemic yeah actually that that is a good idea i have a friend named nathan he runs a toy store called toy toy hq on southland drive and they also closed i think a week or two ago uh so i I bought a lot of stuff from over there but that would be that'd be an interesting idea i definitely um you know when i closed down the shop we emptied our coolers we took all the perishable foods over the food chain um got rid of all my disposables so Right now, it's kind of a, a an empty kitchen. It's got all the equipment still there. All of my pots and pans and smallwares are still there. But, you know, I thought for a second, like, should I take these figures down? Like, I don't know. I don't know. So everything's kind of left. It's like kind of like Pompeii when you discover, you know, those uh, <clears throat> archaeological digs where people are still like sitting at their dinner tables. <clears throat> It feels a little bit like that if you walk into the barn right now, like all these businesses, they look like they could reopen tomorrow because mm-hmm. everything's still there. We're not, we haven't pulled all our shelves down. So, you know, the hope is um, when this thing passes or when it becomes safe for people to go out again and businesses to, to start back up again, that we'll be able to, um, to get back there. But, you know, honestly, I'm not necessarily holding out hope for that. Um, because I don't know. I don't know what will happen uh, by then. Um, it's not like time freezes and it's just like we pause for two months and then we get back to normal. I don't think there's going to be a normal. I don't think September will look anything like January. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things will be yeah. different enough. So who knows how that'll be. So yeah, maybe if, uh, if we don't end up opening back up, we'll definitely have a Funko Pop auction. <laughs> yeah. I have realized it, and I didn't realize, know it until you couldn't, but going out and, and having a meal with friends, having a drink, um, socializing, it's, it's, it's such a huge part of our lives um, yeah. that obviously I've, I've taken for granted. Um, and your situation, unfortunately, is not unique. We've, we've had 
several local businesses and restaurants, like you've already mentioned, that have had to either close temporarily or uh, indefinitely. Um, from a restaurant perspective, what do you think this has done? I know there's a lot of uncertainty that you've mentioned, but what do you think this has done to the way that we do socialize and go out and eat? Do you think this will be a change locally for what restaurants are doing? That's an interesting question of, I think honestly, I don't think we're going to get out of this uh, social distancing and quarantine and, and shelter at home type situation for at least two months. Uh, and in some ways, I hope we don't get out of it in under two months because what we're seeing already is uh, Japan kind of lifted some of their um, restrictions recently and they've had what can only be called as a relapse. Um, so if you get out of this thing too early, you're not going to head it off and we're going to be round and round on this. Uh, as Andy Bashir always says, like, let's beat this thing the first time around. Uh, and what that means is don't, let's not think we're safe and then get back into another cycle of, of being dangerous again. So I think this is going to last a while, which means it will change habits. Uh, I don't know how permanently, like I, I don't know if you can take a survey a year from now to see how many people are shaking hands versus not shaking hands anymore. You know what I mean? Like those kind of changes. Um, I don't think restaurants will go away. I don't think dine-in uh, eating will go away. That's not going to go extinct. Um, will we move to uh, more of a model of takeout and delivery? That's quite possible, uh, which that'll change people's habits and that changes um, the business models of a lot of places. <clears throat> and it will hurt a lot of restaurants whose food isn't set up for takeout who, you know, like I'll be honest, like ramen is not a great takeout food. Um, my ramen, I want to make it for you and I need you to eat it in the next five minutes. If it goes home with you, if it goes, gets delivered 20, 30 minutes later, the noodles start getting too soft. They soak up all the broth. So you have less broth. Your noodles are too soft your broth has cooled down a little bit. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not an ideal food. Um, fried foods are like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't want fried chicken 30 minutes later either. Uh, there are a lot of foods like that. And there are a lot of restaurants that are more like sit down type restaurants. You know what I mean? Like when you think about getting takeout, do you want to get takeout from a barbecue joint or do you want to get takeout from Tony's? You know what I mean? Like there, there are a lot of places that are going to kind of hurt that way. Um, one of my favorite restaurants in town is Air Run Garden on Richmond Road, this Korean barbecue place where you can grill food at your table. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I really miss right now because it's so interactive. It's so fun to, to do it with people. Um, so I think it's going to change our behaviors and I think it's going to change the business landscape for sure. Yeah. Well, if anybody is going to be prepared to think critically and find out the best model, you know, I have, I have good faith that you're going to be right up there in the, in the leadership of that, because it's obvious that, you know, you've had, you know, the gumption to get it done in this time. And, you know, I think it's obvious that, that you'll be able to succeed whenever the landscape ends up looking like. Yeah, I'm going to try to, I, I, for one, I'm not married to anything that I do or am currently doing. Yeah. If you told me atomic ramen is not coming back, okay, what's the next thing? Let's figure this out. Um, you know, would I like Atomic Ramen to come back? Yeah, I would love it. 
I would love to keep serving my food. I, that's one thing I really, really miss right now actually is serving my food to people. You know, I'm doing all the stuff with Lee initiative and Lex unite, but I'm not in the kitchen uh, every day cooking that food. Um, I've had the opportunity to volunteer, but for me personally, like I want to do what I can from home. I am concerned and worried about not spreading this, not catching this, not spreading it to my family. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very humbled by people who do have to go into work every day, uh, whether it's in health or retail or restaurants or whatever. Um, but yeah, so for me, like I'm, I'm always happy to pivot. The one thing I really, really think about right now is um, what we've seen come out of this crisis is that a lot of people in the community are really coming together. There's a lot of collaborative work happening. Uh, Lex Unite and the Lee Initiative in Lexington happened because I and Sam Four from Tuck Tuck and um, Kaylor Slagle from Branded 78 and Lada Swan from Great Bagel, we got together and thought it up and created it and collaborated on it. And none of us could have done it by ourselves. Yeah. So I'm interested to see three, six, nine months from now, as we sort of reestablish ourselves and try to get back into whatever business, I'm really interested to see how much of that will be collaborative. Like, is my next venture going to be just a Dan Wu project? Or is it going to be me and other people that I respect and, and like, and we can create something together? And will it be a commercial endeavor? I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm really enjoying what we're doing with the Lee Initiative stuff. And I'm curious to see, like, is this sustainable? Can we keep this going? Can we have a permanent, um, you know, relief center uh, like this that we can, you know, sustain financially and keep people working? You know, if we could, that'd be amazing because feeding people these kind of needs, they're not going to go away after this crisis. They've been there before and they will continue after. And I think the economic ripples are going to be so deep yeah. that if, 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 if you could miraculously tell me six months from now, there's no COVID-19, there's no coronavirus, nobody's going to get sick from this, go about your normal lives, think about how many people are broke. Think about how many people are out of business. Think about how many people have been out of work for X amount of time. And to just say, okay, go ahead, you're safe now, restart. It's not going to happen like that. So there's going to be a lot of need, and I'm curious to see what uh, entrepreneurs like myself, community people like myself, can do to fill those needs. So in a weird way, I'm kind of excited because it's like new possibilities of like kind of anything's possible if you can figure out a way to do it, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great kind of message to wrap up on, you know, an inspirational, collaborative message looking forward. You know, we're all dealing with tough times here, but I love the spin you've put on it of trying to be productive, trying to help the community. So you've mentioned some good action items, you know, for the, for the restaurants, especially the locally owned, you know, small restaurants that are still serving, go get some food like that. If it's, if it makes sense for you and your family, how can people uh, help the Lee initiative or, or what, what action items would you give the people who are home thinking about how can I help out in Lexington right now? Yeah, so the biggest thing, so for Lee Initiative right now, we've, um, you know, the leaner we can run, and we think about it like a business, the leaner we can run, the longer we can run. Um, so right now, we're down to a very small crew of paid staff. Uh, we're not asking for volunteers anymore because we have our paid staff, and we also want to minimize the number of people and the, minimize the amount of contact we have in the whole operation. 
Um, our biggest need right now is giving away these household items like diapers. Uh, diapers, I, I keep mentioning because that they're flying off our shelves. Um, so we need um, monetary donations. They can go to leeinitiative.org. And when you give there, you can toggle and there's a pull down menu where you can select Lexington. And then that way, Lexington, the, our, our little operation, will get that money. Uh, and then two is donations of, of goods. Now, I know most people are not sitting on a cache of toilet paper and, I mean, they might be, uh, <laughs> like diapers and wipes and canned food, right? Not everybody has that kind of stuff to give away. So in terms of material donations, we're looking at other businesses, other restaurants who might have clothes like mine who might be sitting on a couple of cases of gloves and a couple of cases of uh, cleaning supplies and uh, a mop, you know what I mean? Or to-go bags, to-go containers we're always needing. So things like that. So if there are uh, people who are out of business who have these things that they're not doing anything with that they can donate to us, that's great. Uh, but then uh, money, money is always good because money will allow us to continue running. Yeah, I think it's clear that whatever dollars get in your hands, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, multiply and be bountiful and it'll be a great steward of them. So I think that's, that's, you know, money talks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Dan, I, you know, I really appreciate your time. You know, it's great to have, you know, such a, such a leader and, you know, such a, someone who's stepping up, uh, you know, have the, have the time to talk to us. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Stay safe. Lot, Dan. Uh, uh, I would love to have this conversation again in six months and see where everybody's at, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, thanks everybody. We'll thank see you, you next time.